Welcome to Melvin Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Melvin, uh, your host for Melvin Law and Friends, founder and attorney at Melvin Law. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Uh, we're very excited about our show this week. We have uh, a famous sports writer and sports commentator, Pat Dooley, with us today. And uh, we're going to have a great show. This is one you want to stay tuned and listen to and tell your friends about. Uh, before we get going, we're going to go over a few things uh, going on in the community. We've got the Tom Petty Weekend coming up starting October 20th through October 22nd. That's Friday, October 20th through October 22nd. And the show is going to be phenomenal. I've got the card here. Uh, some of the Feature acts include Shovels and Rope. Now, that's a group I had not heard of, but uh, when I saw they got booked about two months ago, I went and started uh, listening to them on Spotify, and they are awesome. Uh, you should really uh, check them out. I think they're going to be playing Saturday night. Uh, uh, another favorite of mine is Jake Thistle. Jake Thistle's uh, 19 years old now and uh, has been a in my mind, a child prodigy. He uh, writes his own music, he sings, plays his own uh, instruments, guitar, uh, the uh, piano. So uh, Jake is really um, the embodiment of uh, the Tom Petty spirit. If they were going to bring back Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and form a new group, Jake Thistle would be my vote for the uh, Tom Petty uh, of the group. He's that good. Uh, a number of other great shows, uh, the Lions of Ja, they're going to, they're a reggae band from Jacksonville, Florida, and they're going to do a whole Tom Petty set in reggae style. So uh, uh, I, I'm not sure how Won't Back Down is going to sound uh, reggae style, but, uh, and I would uh, make an attempt to uh, uh, sing it uh, in reggae style. However, I want to protect the ears of our listeners. Uh, we have a lot of other really good um, acts coming uh, to the uh, event. It's at the Heartwood Sound Studios in Gainesville, Florida, and it is an amazing tribute to Tom Petty. Of course, Gainesville, Florida is Tom's hometown, and uh, ever since he passed away, I believe it was October 2nd, 2017, uh, the, the folks uh, that love Tom's music have gotten together to pay tribute uh, to his contribution, not only to uh, worldwide music, but to Gainesville in particular. Uh, I regard Tom as the most famous musician that 
ever came out of the state of Florida, uh, including Gloria Stefan or whoever else might be number two. I saw where somebody wanted to uh, name all of A1A uh, after Jimmy Buffett uh, down from the Keys all the way uh, up to Jacksonville, Florida, and I think that'd be a great idea. Uh, Jimmy Buffett is from Alabama, although he adopted Florida uh, in his adult life. So that's uh, something going on. Now, uh, we have free tickets for those of you that want to go to the Tom Petty Festival. Uh, all you have to do is go to our webpage, meldenlaw.com, enter to win, and uh, we're going to give away a package of uh, four tickets for the Tom Petty Festival. It starts Friday uh, evening around 5 o'clock and goes all the way through Sunday around uh, 9 o'clock in the evening. Don't miss it. Go online, uh, TomPettyWeekend.com, and you will see the uh, lineup. You'll see the acts, when they're playing, what's going on. Uh, I'm going to be there all weekend. Uh, come and join us. Uh, I will tell you, Saturday night is going to be a really great show uh, starting uh, about 5 o'clock. Uh, the acts are going to be uh, top-notch. So come and join us. Support live music. Uh, I've been on a, uh, a little bit of a rant this week about uh, trying to get people to support live music. Uh, yeah, it's comfortable, and we, you know, uh, we have all our uh, music apps, Spotify and Pandora, and we can get whatever music we want pretty easily now. However, uh, the musicians... Uh, don't really make that much money from uh, their their music. Uh, they make money from performing. And uh, I heard recently someone tell a new act that they should perform as many clubs as they could rather than focus in on putting out a perfect album. And the reason is, is because you build your base in the music business now through performance. So we've got great performances top-notch professional artists coming to Gainesville to celebrate Tom Petty's birthday. I know uh, uh, Tom's daughter, Adria, is going to be in town along with others from uh, the Tom Petty uh, team, uh, TomPetty.com. So uh, let's have a good time. Go out there, support the arts, support live music, because all of us have uh, our favorite concerts that we remember uh, some of the greatest times that we've ever had, and I can assure you this will be one of them. As a matter of fact, I'm giving my money-back guarantee. If anybody buys a ticket for the Tom Petty Festival and doesn't like it and wants their money back, just call me at Meldon Law, and I will personally refund your ticket price. That's my uh, Jeffrey Meldon warranty. <laughs> Anyhow, a couple other things going on. That same weekend, Saturday morning, which does not conflict with the festival, my wife Patricia and I are co-chairing the Alzheimer's Walk. Uh, we're going to really have a, uh, a, a great time. John Tull from Florida Sports Property is also uh, co-chairing uh, it with us. We've had some really good events uh, leading up to it. Saturday morning, October 21st, is the walk to end Alzheimer's. 
It's going to be a Trinity Methodist Church. It's out on 53rd Avenue in Gainesville. Just go to alz.org, alz for alzheimers.org backslash Gainesville. You'll get all the uh, information. Join us. Uh, registrations between 9 and 10. Uh, show up. Bring some friends. It's uh, going to be a beautiful day out and uh, enjoy uh, what's going on uh, Saturday, October 21st, as well as learn about all the amazing advancements that are going on right now uh, to cure, either cure or to uh, slow down uh, early stage Alzheimer's. They came out with a drug this year, Lembeque, that uh, is actually uh, the first FDA-approved drug and Medicare-approved drug uh, to help early-onset Alzheimer's. Uh, it's very uh, exciting that we're actually on the in the breakthrough of uh, Alzheimer's. All of us have uh, friends or family uh, that have been affected by dementia, Alzheimer's, and uh, it's time to really uh, put the full court press on helping. Uh, uh, Alzheimer's National Organization. Our goal for Gainesville is to raise $140,000. Uh, you can go to alz.org backslash Gainesville if you'd like to donate. And if you want to come, we'd love to have you uh, show up at the uh, event. A uh, couple other things. Um, we are, uh, Melden Law is supporting the Battle at the Beach for Aubrey Hope. Aubrey Hope uh, is uh, a, a young child who's battling a life-threatening uh, form of cancer that's very rare, and uh, we're trying to uh, help Aubrey. Uh, the annual battle for the, uh, it's called the annual Battle at the Beach weightlifting competition held at Eaton's Beach in Weirfield, Florida, that's in Marion County on October 21st, and it's going to benefit Team Aubrey Hope. Um, we at Melden Law are donating uh, to the cause along with a nice basket uh, at the raffle there. Uh, so check it out, uh, October 21st, uh, Weirsdale. Uh, go to uh, the Battle of the Beach uh, for Aubrey Hope. A uh, couple other things, Saturday, uh, October 21st, by the way, is a big weekend because the Gators uh, never play the week before Georgia, uh, so it's the off week. So everybody in the world schedules their event that week. Uh, we've got uh, October 21st at Heritage Park in Williston hosting the International Fu Food and Music Festival, and Melden Law will be there. Uh, 11 till 4 p.m. So uh, check that out. And uh, there's some other things coming up. Again, uh, Melden Law uh, is uh, proud to give back to the community and support these wonderful organizations that make all of our lives better in North Central Florida. So thank you very much for all of your support, and we look forward to continuing it. We're going to take a short break and be back with our special guest, Pat Dooley. Jeffrey, 
doing? Well, I'm joining the band, of course. Since Melvin Law is the official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, I want to help. Dad, we're litigators. Let's stick to helping people in the courtroom. Well, can we still hang out and jam a little bit? At Melvin Law, we won't back down. I was going down a one-way street and a girl that was driving her car T-boned me on my scooter. I ended up going for an MRI and discovering that I had two herniated discs. Coming to Cary allowed me to not have to worry about what doctor I was gonna see or what physical therapist I had to go to. They say, these are the people we trust. You're gonna have a great experience there. And I honestly did each time. Call Melvin Law. Your consultation is absolutely free. I was driving behind a lady, and very suddenly she moved out of the way. There was a log laying in the road, and when I hit my brakes, I went on top of the log. I had two herniated discs. I just haven't been the same since. Jeffrey Melton fought for me all the way. Him and his team really went there for me. Throughout the whole lawsuit, he made sure that my bills was paid. It was never no whenever I called him and asked him for something. Call Melvin Law right now. And I was in an accident. Someone ran a red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Melvin because you're going to need help, and they will help you. Call Melvin Law right now. Hey, Sammy, look who's there. Say hi. Hey. Ah. <gasps> you, you again. again. Melvin Law, Jeffrey speaking. Jeffrey! Somebody else hit us. Hit us. Here we go again. Welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. It's our great privilege today to have my good friend Pat Dooley on the show with us. Pat's been a sports writer for uh, at least uh, 45 years or so and uh, has a very, very interesting story to, uh, to tell us uh, about uh, how he got started, uh, what happened during the glory years, and uh, what ha has happened recently as far as uh, changes in the way uh, sports writing is done and how the information is uh, conveyed? Welcome to the show, Pat. How are you doing? Always a pleasure. Good. How are you doing? I, I am doing good. It's a Monday, and uh, the Gators won a game. So, uh... They did. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. you got to take care of business in a game like that. But uh, until they, they go on the road and win, I think we're still kind of waiting to see what what this team is going to be because that that's where you are, are to be remembered for what you do in road games you know the great marv levy once told his buffalo bills right he goes you know why hitler lost world war ii because he couldn't win on the road hmm. and it, that he couldn't you know he would <laughs> he didn't win in france we know that <laughs> so, yeah but uh that's that i mean winning on the road is what it's all about and this you know i know that Billy Napier is going to change a few things up, but I don't know if it's going to make any difference. We'll see. We'll see how well they play. Uh, you're dealing with 18 to 23-year-old young people, right? Yep. 
Yep. And some of them have uh, different skill levels. Some of them get uh, dinged up and have injuries. Some uh, it, it's, it's an organic group of people. And uh, the idea that many sports fans have where you can absolutely control this group of 70 or right. 80 or 90 uh, young people and have them all perform at their highest level uh, every week just, just isn't reality. You have a hard enough time just making sure everybody's in their rooms at 10 o'clock at bed check, you know, uh, for, for a noon game, which they had a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, that is part of the problem with, uh, especially when you're going to have a young team. You know, you, we talked about this a little bit last week with Kentucky had 17 seniors on their two deep. Florida has one. And those, it's not just that they're older players, but they've had, in many cases, five years of weight training at a college level, which you don't get in high school. Okay, right. now you, now you a lot of these guys that are freshmen are, are really good players. I mean, Trey Wilson, I think, is going to be special for Florida, but they haven't built their bodies up yet, and and it's going to take time. Um, but when you when you're that young, sometimes that happens. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking how short the really the the prime career of a football player is you you come after high school you come in some of the great players start right away as freshmen mm -hmm. however they haven't really filled out you know how they'll say oh this guy's uh you know six two and weighs uh, the quarterback is six two and he weighs 195 but he's going to fill out you know and he's going to be 210 or 220 and muscular and that makes a difference it does, and there—I mean, there are rare cases when you get a guy like a Tebow or a Percy, you know, who were already filled out when they got here. And I, I, they're still freaks. Um, Tebow was setting weight room records when he was a freshman. So, those, some guys are different than that, but uh, certainly, you know, like a guy like Boardingham who played had a big game uh, on uh, Saturday. You know, he needed a year of being a freshman, and then now as a redshirt freshman, he's already starting to fill into that role where physically he's big enough. Um, he was a wide receiver, you know, in high school. So, uh, but he's filling into that role. So it is hard. It's hard to get. Um, and again, this is part of the whole plan of Billy Napier. You know, it's, it's about nutrition. It's about taking care of your body. It's about doing all these things. And the reason we're asking you to do it. Yeah. We want you to be better people. We want you to be better um, equipped to handle the next level if you get that far. But the main reason is you're not going to get better if you don't get physically better. You've got to get physically better, and then you'll be a better player. And um, so I think that's part of the growing pains that they've got right now with a young team. So uh, what do you, what's your take on how uh, Napier is doing so far? Well, I mean, here's the thing. He isn't going anywhere, okay? So either you trust him or you don't. It is possible to be angry at your coach and still want him to be your coach. Those things aren't exclusive of each other. And no, look, nobody was happy after the Kentucky game. No, nobody should be happy. And he wasn't happy. But, um, but I still think he's the right guy for the job. And, and certainly for Florida, isn't going to go pay a $32 million buyout to get rid of a guy who's doing things the right way. There are questions about some of the decisions he's made. Certainly the, the offensive coordinator uh, situation is one, one where Gator fans 
are convinced they have all the answers and they will show you exactly the plays you should be running. Um, so that's why you need to get another offensive coordinator, a real offensive coordinator there. But I mean, not everybody has to give it up. Spurrier didn't give it up. Lincoln Riley doesn't give it up. Mike Norvell hasn't given it up. Uh, there's a lot of coaches who stay with it, but it is, you've got to manage a lot. You've got to manage NIO. You've got to manage the portal and everything. You've got to do speaking engagements that your assistants don't have to do. Um, but that'll be something that they worry about once the season's over. You're not going to do it, obviously, in the middle of the year. So, uh, Pat, you, you've been around a long time. When did you um, first come to Gainesville? Well, I was born here, actually. I was born here on 39th. Well, I wasn't actually physically born on 39th, but <laughs> uh, that's where we came back. I, I mean, once they had me at Alachua General, which no longer exists now. Um, and the 39th Avenue was a dirt road. I that, remember. That's, that's how long ago it was. That's how old I am. So, yeah, so we came back there, and then we, we were here till I was 10, went, moved to St. Augustine. And then uh, went to uh, St. John's. I was just over in Palaka the other day speaking to the group over there. Went to St. John's. First golf course I ever played was Palaka Golf Course when I was 13 years old. Um, and then went to Florida. And then Jacksonville for about 10 years, two different jobs, and then came back here in 87. So what did you that. study at Florida? I studied journalism because I thought it might be easy. I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue. <laughs> you know, I get mad at my daughter sometimes. I go, you need to get more focus on what you're trying to get out of life and this. And I go, unlike me. <laughs> you know, like I was the worst at that. I was just like aim, wandering aimlessly from party to party. And, um, but I got had some teachers that got a hold of me and straightened me out. And, and then I was very lucky that back in the days when the Gainesville Sun was downtown. Um, I remember it well. Yeah, that I, uh, you know, Norm Frozier and uh, Jack Harston and Al Hall, um, we were just at uh, John Rosenrod's funeral. A lot of the, not those people, but because they're all passed away, but people who knew them, and we talked a lot about them. But Al Hall especially said, look, you, you can work here and you can do all this work. I mean, it's not going to be easy. And you're not going to get paid much, but this will be great training. And it was. I used to go. I used to come in at three thirty in the morning. It was a PM paper. Come in at three thirty in the morning by myself. Lay out the entire paper. Supervise the paste up and everything, and and then everybody else would come in about eight o'clock, and the paper would be out, ready to go. And man, one time I. I flopped a picture, which means you wrote on the back flop because the guy was facing away from the story instead of towards it. We were, we were always taught you got the, the action's got to be going towards the story you wanted to read. So I flopped it, but it was a it, it was the base, a baseball player. So it said Sri Brew across his, <laughs> the front of it instead of Brewers. So they go, you might want to change that. That's not a good idea. But uh, no, so it was a great learning experience, and then I learned a lot out of. Down to Fort Lauderdale for a year, and that was so. A lot of fun you, too. you mentioned Al Hall, Abby Knight has worked for me was, since 1979. Yeah, I just saw her at the uh, at, at John Rosenrod's funeral, yeah, and she's she still yeah. she still works at Meldon Law. Well, good, and she, she tries is. to retire, but I won't let her. Well, she's a great person. I knew her very well back in the old day. We used to go to a lot of lunches over at the Sovereign. 
uh, back in the old days, in the 80s, or did, late 80s. Did, did, were you a member of the bar? Um, I, 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 that's where I ate. I know that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I was ever formally accepted as a bar member, but um, yeah, we ate all the well, and, 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 you know, the bar had the um, brass plaques yeah, there, right? Yeah. Uh, and I considered it one of the highest honors I ever achieved is when my name went up on the brass plaque at the Sovereign. Yeah, I don't think mine ever went up there. I, Are you was, sure? Yeah, well, we were, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to ask there. Loopy yeah. Moser because I see her around now. You now know what was, what was kind of funny about that? Uh, we were just talking about John Rosenrose's funeral. Is afterwards, a bunch of us went out and had dinner um, and drank a toast to him, and then as I went to the bathroom, I realized this is the Sovereign. This is where the old Sovereign was, this like one little area, and I'm like, and, and John would always, you know, Mike Sanford and all those guys, we'd go to eat, eat up there all the time. It was either there or the old CJ's over there where, um, I don't even know what's there anymore, but over Creekwood, off Creekside. No, the oh, other one. Oh, the other one. Yeah, the, okay. the, when I first got here, the CJ's was over there in like a strip mall, and God, the chicken wings were unbelievable. I loved them. But uh, then it moved to the creeks, Creekside, yeah. So anyhow, we're uh, reminiscing. The Gainesville Sun uh, is where Pat really, uh, you know, cut his teeth and got his, uh, spent most of his life. And the Gainesville Sun was downtown in the, these you know, sovereign restaurant we were talking about was there. So after work, you know, people would come over. Yep. And what was the uh, work day like uh, at the old Gainesville Sun? Well, yeah. If I mean, if you were gonna, you had to get in early uh, because the paper. I think the deadline might have been six thirty or had to be done. Um, and that was when it was a PM paper. And of course, PM papers totally have gone. I mean, most print is gone, but. PM papers totally went away. Uh, there, there were only a few left. But I, I loved, I worked at, for the Gainesville Sun and the Jacksonville Journal with both PM papers, and I used to love to, to work for them. So you'd show up in the morning, uh, figure out what the stories were, write them, uh, they'd print it, and then they'd have it delivered, the evening newspaper. Right. Yeah, so you'd get it about, I think, usually 2 or, two or 3 o'clock, and... Back then, people had time to read, and back then there was no internet, and people liked to get the paper and read it in the afternoon uh, over a mar with a martini, and you know. And again, you had people like Jack, who were uh, legendary columnists, Joe Halberstein before him. Um, How do those guys rank? How did the Gainesville sports writers rank nationally as far as your experience? Well, I'd be number one, and then we go to number two. No, I, uh, yeah, I we we won a lot of awards. We did really good stuff, and 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 the shame of it is, I mean, newspapers. We all know what's going on there, but I mean, we had we had a uh, we actually had a spotlight team. We had three writers and an editor who only wore, went after one story at a time, like the movie Spotlight, and like they have at the Boston Globe. And in fact, when Norm Sloan thing happened, that, that was our guys going to work on it. And that's all they worried about. They didn't even have to deal with the game because we had a, another writer who would cover that. And you think about how big a deal for a little paper like that to have a, their own spotlight team. And I don't think they have three writers and an editor over there total <laughs> now. And it, that's a real shame. It's not, nothing against anybody over there, nothing against the Gainesville Sun. I, I, I mean, I left voluntarily and I, 
I hate I hated to leave because I loved being a newspaper guy, but um, the world changed. I mean, everything changed, and it became about clicks and what you, um, you know, not about what you were trying to do, and then you put the paper to bed, and you couldn't wait till people saw it the next day. That was always a thrill for me was, you know, you'd work so hard on putting out a paper, and then physical, you'd get the physical copy. You know, I remember going back and, you know, the print, the press would be running. You'd reach in and grab a paper, you know, and, and make sure there were no head typos or nobody had dropped any F-bombs and <laughs> cut lines by accident, by accident. It was a great feeling about that. But, of course, that's, that's done now. So. You know, my son, Kerry, um, was born in 1978, and he was a really good reader early on. And uh, we got the Gainesville Sun uh, every every day, and... One of the, his favorite things, he, he loves sports, and um, he'd go to the sports section, and he would study it. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm like when he was five or six or seven years old, once in a while, if he would actually find a, an error. Oh, right? yeah. And, well, uh, they were, we made errors, there's no doubt. About that. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't in the baseball box score. No. It was, but anyhow, the, the, Gain, the Gainesville Sun was a very, very important piece of our history here in Gainesville. Now, the transition that took place, I'd like to talk about what was your reaction when the newspaper who's, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, the subscription rates for newspapers went downhill. A few national newspapers, you know, maybe the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, were uh, already way ahead as far as transitioning to uh, a, a digital format. However, they already had national presence, so it was a different deal for them. Like uh, they had national presence in our building because there was a whole wing that was just New York Times, uh, and that's all they did was put out um, stories, you know, digitally for the New York Times and, and edit them, and they had. They had a staff of like I want to say fifteen people over there doing that. Like, oh, because we were not connected with them at all. But they were. We even the New York Times owned us for a long time, and that was the I like to call them the Camelot days. Because yeah, you had the yeah. you had the big dogs there, and they and they, they they cared about all the papers they had in the state. They had a lot of them. Lakeland, Sarasota, uh, were were um, I think Daytona was eventually, but. Um, so the, and they cared about local papers, but then they decided, yeah, we we see where this is going, sold everybody off. So we went to Gatehouse, and then I'm trying to remember who was between Gatehouse and Gannett. Gannett, Gannett owns it now, but and Gannett owns yeah. most papers now. So what was your personal journey from you know having been a, uh, a nationally celebrated? Uh, sports writer for the Gainesville Sun to where you're at today. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think our listeners would like to hear how the internet and uh, digital has changed the world. Well, right now I'm at Melvin and Friends. So, uh, <laughs> but no, that's, um, it, you know, the good thing for me was that I, I do think the Gainesville Sun and most papers were slow to react and slow to kind of get ahead of the game on the digital part. 
But I was already doing a lot of that. I was already doing a podcast for many years. We did a, I did my own TV show for a while um, back in the, gosh, it would have been like the 2012s. We would do a TV show that, I mean, we did. it was one camera and the, the person who was Trish Coyne, I remember very well. She's still a good friend of mine. She would do the video and I would get bring a guest in and we'd do it kind of like we do now, you know. But um, so we were doing that a long time ago and I think that allowed so that when I decided to retire and uh, I didn't want to quit writing. I still wanted to keep writing. I just didn't want to do it on the terms that I was kind of being laid out for me. Uh, and you were a lot of stuff that you were going to have to do extra and you know, I was good. I was good to go ahead and take get get out get out when I could and uh, so I did and uh, picked it right back up I just said look let's think of the things I can do I know I can do podcasts really well so talk to Freddie next thing you know I'm doing my podcast I think we're at 285 podcasts we've done now so um, I was already doing radio easy pick up there um I just contacted a few people, said, hey, I can write this, I can write, I know, I know WRUF, I went to them, I go, hey, you know, I don't want to quit writing the back nine, I like writing the back nine, it's a fun column to write, um, I'll write it for you guys, and we came up with a deal that I could do that, so I'm do you, staying do you really still busy. have the music in the back nine? still have the three, store, three songs at the end, and they're always songs that I know a lot of people will never listen to, but I'm still going <laughs> to put them out there, because they're... Um, they're usually bands you haven't really heard that much about, but I'm telling you, they're good. Okay. Trust me, they're good. So, the trans, you know, I I was, um, we were talking about Freddie. Freddie Weeby helps both Pat and I as far as uh, developing uh, what we do. And yep. uh, I would, uh, you know, big shout out to Freddie because he is instrumental in really taking talent and figuring out how to, um, uh, get it out into the public in, in a very successful way. And I, I want to congratulate you. I remember when you were making the transition, and it must have been a little bit scary because here you, had, for 35 years, you were going, you know, you had a place to go, and yeah. that was it. And, you know, they they valued you highly, and you were, you know, the big big dog there. Well, yeah, and... and it wasn't scary though because um, I knew I knew how to do it, and I knew to have somebody like Freddie involved in it too was going to help. Um, and I was getting six and a half months' salary, so I was. I, it wasn't <laughs> like I was like I don't know what I'm going to do if, if if I can't make any of this work. Now I will say this: as we went, it went along. I got a little frustrated with it only because I felt like I was. It, it was harder than I thought it was going to be to keep it going, you know, and, and then I kind of got into a good mode and, and certainly with Zach working, um, we've gotten into a very comfortable level where we know what we're doing. And, and that's the good part. As long as you have people around you, it's the same way with the radio show, um, with working with, uh, Jeff Cardozo, of course, one of the great guys in the world. That's not work. Are you kidding me? I go there for two <laughs> hours and we, we just shoot the bull, you know, and, and, uh, it's great. And you know what's pretty cool, Pat, is we're, so we're here at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. And, uh, you know, we, Pat and I, we were over at the uh, Freddie Weeby's Make It Happen office before they opened this. And then they opened up the Gridiron Grill. 
and this has really become the clubhouse here oh, yeah. for everything in in the Gator world. Let's talk a little bit about that and what the role is of this uh, unique museum and restaurant that we're in as far as recruiting and everything else. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, my oldest daughter lives in Los Angeles and she was in town a couple of years ago, might have been a year, year and a half ago. And I said, hey, we need to go out to Spurrier's. I said, you know, we may eat, we may do something, we just may just have a drink, but uh, I just want you to see it. And I took her out here and she goes, Dad, I live in L.A. and there's nothing like this out there. I mean, there is, this is she was blown away by how good it is. And Freddie, uh, obviously, um, every attention to detail. And we, I went through it with him. I, I mean, not physically, but I, I would hear about different things and things that they had to change and it got delayed a little bit because of one of the tiles thing was screwed up. But he attention to detail, and he had a, had a good plan, and it does affect recruiting. I always tell people there's three big buildings in in Gainesville, Florida, right now: the stadium, the new Hevner uh, complex, and and Spurriers. And this is where they bring everybody. Uh, all the parents come here, and uh, well, they, you know, they have a great time. Uh, Freddie was telling me during June we had a big. Uh, boost as far as our recruiting class for 2024 and uh, it was interesting the dynamics because when the recruits come they come with their parents and grandparents often right mm -hmm, right and those folks know who Steve Spurrier is yes exactly. <laughs> the, the, the kids that are 17 18 19 years old they've heard of, maybe they heard Steve yeah. Spurrier and but, they see that the, the field's named after him. But you're right. I mean, that does, the parents do know that. And that's, uh, you know, again, he, he does stop by a lot to say hello to everybody, make sure they see him. But, look, Florida's not going to get players based on, I mean, we're, we're at the point now where I think it's Ohio State where a player asks for five grand to visit. All right, so this is what it's becoming, where you're going to have to start paying guys just to show up and eat free food and then not come to your school. And, and have their, their families join them if, you, yeah, if they and like. It's and, just nutty. And, and meanwhile, in the state of Missouri, if you go to a state school, you, you can collect NIL money when you're in high school, but you can't go anywhere else out of the state. There's only one real big-time college there, and that's obviously is Missouri. Um, it, and, and, but there's so, everybody's got different rules, and everybody's still abusing the different rules. Even even the rules that they have for NIL that are NCAA rules, even rules that are state jurisdiction, they abuse those two. They don't care. Nobody. There's no NCAA's gumming its food right now. They have no well. Anything. Would you agree? The NCAA was uh, late to the table oh, as far as they they. If they had, if they had jumped on this thing early, they could have had some transparency, one set of rules for everybody. You know, yeah, we're going to have to be on you about this and enforce it, but that's what your job is. Yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of what a lot of people don't get about the NCAA is it runs every championship except one, and that's basketball, um, football. It's the only championship they don't run, but. Look, they make a lot of money off the basketball one, but they aren't making any money off lacrosse, <laughs> the championships, or the volleyball championships. Well, maybe this year they might make a thing uh, the way it's going. But the point is they have to run all these things, and um, it's still part of 
what the NCAA is. I mean, they're running all this stuff, and they're having to rule on all this other stuff, and it's uh, it's not a job I would want. Very complex. I mean, years ago, uh, when I'd uh, be downtown, and, uh, you know, on a Friday or Saturday night, you'd see the players downtown, uh, particularly if it was, um, you know, not football season, and sometimes even if it was football season. They they hit it pretty hard. You know, uh, anyhow, the the fact is, is that I always felt like uh, there was something unfair about a kid who was working his butt off playing uh, football or basketball or whatever the sport was, uh, bringing in revenue to uh, University of Florida. However, uh, they couldn't go to Dragonfly Restaurant with their friends because they couldn't afford 50 bucks or whatever whatever uh, the cost was. And they, there, there was um, a system back in the 1980s where players would want to get cash, and I'm sure it wasn't any different any other uni- no. big time university. Uh, that you know the players would go, I need spending money, and the NSA they had their uh, heads in in the sand, and they weren't going to deal with it. But you, if you have players generating uh, most of the budget, I mean, all literally. All of the budget for the University of Florida is generated by football and maybe 5% by basketball. Right, right. Okay. That's it. None of the other, including baseball, which is an incredible product, a fabulous stadium. And if you you guys haven't been there, you need to go there. So so football was uh, king and has been and will continue to be. However, there was some something that didn't seem right to me about these kids who were, they couldn't take a job uh, and go make whatever, you know, they would uh, get paid at a job because they were really working hard. They had to keep up their studies. They had to practice. Right. They were, I mean, I, I've always felt like there should have been something proactively done. Well, and they, they finally did the cost of attendance, uh, but that was just a drop in the bucket. You, you're going to give a kid five grand a year uh, with his cost of attendance. Uh, but meanwhile, his coach just left for a better, what he thought was a better job, and he's going to get $8 million a year. And, but wait a minute, I'm the one who scored all the touchdowns, you know. But um, So the cost of attendance, I think they thought was going to be the answer. We're not going to pay players, but we're going to give them this money to appease them. And the, and the players went, eh, I don't think so. No. Eh, that's not going to work. Well. But between that and, and the uh, transfer portal, and the transfer portal exists only because coaches were such a-holes about it, about not letting guys transfer. Oh, right, 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 right. You know, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, uh, for a while, it was you didn't want them transferring within the division. Then you didn't want them transferring within the conference. You didn't want them transferring anywhere. Because um, we may play them down the road four years. Right. And meanwhile, the kids had reasons why they wanted to transfer. You know, maybe they were third string here at Florida, and they thought if uh, I transfer, I'll go, you know. Well, and the sad thing is, is what it's become is, you know, like every team is put together now, basically. Um, some of them to the extreme, like like Colorado, and, and there's some other schools like that that have done it totally through the portal, you know. And uh, it's just the way the world is now. But again... Uh, Coach Spur and I were just talking about this earlier today, and I, how 
I look at all these games, they're packed. People say, I'm not going to any more games, NIL and, and transfer portal. I don't want to go to any games. And you look at the stadiums and they're full of people. I go, well, somebody's, somebody's paying to go to these games. I don't know who they are. I, I love listening to your show uh, from four to six every day on, on the ESPN station. Uh, WRUF 850, and I think there's an FM. Anyhow, Pat uh, does the, the show with Jeff Cardozo, and the callers in are so brutal, right? They uh, can be rough. <laughs> I try not to let them get under my skin, but it is, look, that's what fan is short for fanatic. I mean, these are fanatics, and, and they're, they're Gator fans who are way off to the, so far to the, that they're wrong. I mean, they, they just are too much. And, and again, we heard a little bit of that Saturday. There was a little booing, I think, when they ran a third and 23 running play. Um, but who is that helping? Right. That's not helping the recruit, convince recruits, oh, I need to come here because they boo because they, they're waiting for me. That doesn't work that way. Um, but, you know. So I, I have, I've had the privilege of going to a visit with Coach Napier at Hevner uh, football complex. And to me, it's like night and day over anything that the Gators have ever had before. No, what are no. your thoughts on that? I, uh, yeah, I got lost for some of them. I, I, <laughs> I go, huge. where am I supposed to be going again? Uh, there was no guide. I didn't have a Disney World guide. But it's pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. Everybody's got one now, just yeah. like it. For, for those of you that don't know, um, I was talking with Scott Strickland, our athletic director, uh, just after he had hired Napier. And I said, how was the negotiation? I'm a lawyer. I'm always interested in negotiation. He said, we had no negotiation over his salary. The only negotiation was how much money were we going to allocate for assistance and people that right. were going to work at Hevner. That was the whole deal because he knew that if he didn't have the budget, that he wouldn't be competitive. Well, and that's the thing is it's not like any of these people that were brought in were just brought in because they were for nepotism rules or, or something like They were brought in with a specific purpose in mind, everybody that they've hired. Now, maybe one of those purposes should be not to make sure that you have 11 guys on the field at all times. <laughs> they have not been able to do that so far. Or, 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 or let's not have 14 penalties in one or game. Or let's not have guys with the same number on the field at the same time. I mean, so, and, and look, when you hire that many analysts or whatever they're, they're, gonna, they're called over there, and you have errors of, you know, you know, situational errors where you screw up because screw up you didn't get it coached right, um, that's people are going to come back and jump on you about it. Right. Wait a minute, we've got 60 guys who are wearing those polo shirts in the pick team picture. Why wasn't anybody paying attention to anything? So, um, but I think that's, I think Billy Napier, to be honest with you, is still kind of finding his way around this job because every job is not the same. You know that. Louisiana was not the no, same as Florida. But, I mean, and Georgia's not the same as Florida, and Auburn's not the same as Florida, and Auburn's not the same as Alabama. They're they're all every job is different, um, and you've got to be able to figure it out. And sometimes it takes a while. To do I that. I I'll tell you, I feel like 
Napier is uh, doing a very good job. Katie Turner, I think, is uh, doing helping with recruiting, and I, I listened to her talk about uh, how she systematically goes about um, uh, recruiting players, and yeah. I, and it's pretty impressive. Yeah, she's uh, she's per- she's something, and they they definitely they have everything very scientifically down to the. Uh, what you'll get on NIL if you are all SEC. You know, it's like a general manager has his list. Uh, everybody got trucks at uh, Utah, every one of their players, all 85 scholarship guys. But that's here in Florida, that, that's the way they're doing it. And um, so they just got to get better players in here. And the, again, they got to stack recruiting classes. And it's hard, man. When you're dealing with the NIL and you're dealing with Portal and you're dealing with guys trying to recruit them to not leave. Oh, right. You, know? you, you get a player here, and then you keep recruiting them for three years yeah. so that they won't go to the transfer portal. Well, that's what cracks me up is when a, when a player says, I'm coming home, and he's going to come to the school. And I'm like, oh, this is where you're starting, okay? <laughs> you're not coming home until you stay here four years. And then, then, we'll, then we'll say you came home. But no, this is, you're going there to start your career, and then we'll see where it takes you. Well, Pat, I could go on for hours with you. Uh, we're uh, very honored to uh, have you as our guest. And I want to say that in spite of all of the insanity uh, that's going on in football in particular, uh, college football in particular, and other sports as well, um, it, it still has the uh, uh, amazing fan uh, excitement. And uh, I haven't seen that diminish. No, I mean, you look at, I mean, Florida's had a couple sellouts already this year. I think they've had five under mm-hmm. Napier. So fans want to be at the games, and they want, I mean, you know, a lot of people are, take the approach of, well, you know, I got a nice TV, I got two TVs, I don't have to miss anything, which is kind of the approach I take a lot of the time. But <laughs> but, um, but people are still going out there. They're still going to games, and they uh they're still enjoying it. Well, uh, you know, I, earlier th- uh, today I was out at Wind FM, the oldie station, and I was promoting the Tom Petty Festival, and I was talking about live music and how, you know, yeah, you can listen, you know, in the comfort of your home or car and have great music and all that, but there's still something important about a live event. Absolutely. And the same thing applies to, you know, even more so, I think, with football. I mean, we have our Gator family, and we want to tailgate before and meet people. We see people only in the fall uh, at our tailgate, right? It's like and the first the first game of the year is like a reunion. You know, everybody gets together. <laughs> hey, I haven't seen you since last football season. But. Yeah, so um, let's support the Gators. Let's get out and uh, actually attend uh, the games because the uh, announced attendance is not the number of fans in the stadium. You know that, right? No, it's a lot of so a lot of it's TV people. Yeah, they count. Media boys count. Right. Well, no, 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 but they, no, they count. count the media boys. I know they count it, but they also count seats sold with even if the people oh, yeah. don't show up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after Tennessee, okay, who what was the team we played? It was Charlotte. a. Huh? Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nobody. They had more fans at Charlotte than um, any game except Tennessee for a long time, yeah. right? And so, um, and then we lose to Kentucky, and the Vandy game. There was at least twelve to fifteen thousand empty seats. 
So I think that um, I think the rain that, that had a little bit to do with that too. But it, I mean, they still made a lot of noise. This, yeah, it this. it was good. You want the home field advantage. You want the home field advantage is uh, absolutely true. And at Melvin Law, we give you the home field advantage. We're local, Gainesville, Ocala, Lake City. So if you have a need, give us a call. Thank you very much, Pat Dooley, for joining us on Melvin Law and friends. And I will see you later. See you. <laughs> I thought we were just.